you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great tasting, all natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit symbionica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to symbionica.com. C Y M B I O. T-I-K-A.com. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks, presented by Castro Ledge. DJ Bucky back with you, Buck. It's it's good to be back together again. How you doing, man? Man, I am good. This is a, a, a crazy time. Obviously, it's a sad time coming on the heels of Black Monday because we see a bunch of our friends lose jobs or they're, they're going to be forced to look for work elsewhere or whatever. But it's also an exciting time because, man, I'm all about the playoffs, DJ. College football playoffs, NFL playoffs, because I believe this is where – teams really separate themselves and you see the good players obviously in college but you see the great players and, and the great organizations kind of separate themselves from the others and so I love studying these teams and so this weekend man, six games I know it's all <laughs> the candy doing one, by the way so if you if you haven't done this yet I promise you you'll have fun with it if you like the pod just go to on uh, on Sunday, right? Sunday at uh, one forty West Coast. I want to say, right, Buck? Sunday four forty East Coast, one forty West Coast. We're doing the Chicago Bears and the New Orleans Saints in the wild card round of the NFC, and it's fascinating. You can check it out on Amazon Prime. It'll be on Twitch TV. Yeah, just so it's just Twitch. The, the address is just twitch.tv slash move the sticks. It's easy to remember. And it's if you follow it on Amazon Prime, it'll be the Scouts feed. It's what it's called. So you can click on it. It's me, Bucky, and Joy Taylor, if you know Joy uh, from the Colin Coward show. She's great. And we just have a fun time hanging there. You'll be just like hanging with us. You can actually see the game. It's not just us. You'll have the game. You can watch the game. And we kind of uh, uh, tell you what we're seeing and, and provide some background with some of the scouting stuff. So I think you guys, if you like the pod, uh, check us out there on Sunday for the Bears-Saints game. You'll enjoy it. Um, but we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the playoff stuff. We'll talk about what the draft looks like now that we know the order for the top of the draft, um, as well as some of these top college players and what we're seeing there. So a lot a lot to get to, Buck. I guess I'll, I'll start off. You talked about how it's tough, right? A bunch of friends you know, potentially lose jobs here. But it feels like this is different than it used to be a, a, maybe a decade ago where we would get to – what's commonly referred to as Black Monday, right? And you'd be sitting there going, man, I don't know. Is it going to be this guy? Is he going to stay? Is he Like, we kind of already know. I mean, you yeah. know who the three, three had already been mm-hmm. had already been let go. 
and you kind of knew who the other three that it was very likely yeah. that this was going to happen. No surprises, right? Yeah, no major surprise. We haven't seen like normally you see a surprise firing or something like that come about. And we didn't see it this year. And it's unfortunate, but I think a lot of it, if you were reading the tea leaves leading up to it, you kind of knew what was coming. I think the I don't say I think the part that's intriguing to me is, OK, you have musical chairs. Who is going to get to the first chair? Because once that yeah. first guy gets in a seat, then the dominoes fall quickly thereafter. And some of the names, like it's been some of the usual suspects when it comes to the names. Like we've heard Eric B. Enemy's name, Robert Sala's name has been mentioned. We're seeing Brian Dayball have opportunities. Arthur, Arthur Smith. Smith from Tennessee, who we knew we were going to get some opportunities. And then we're seeing some of the coaches that have had chances before. Jason Garrett coming up in a few different things, which is interesting to me because when you go back and look at his tenure, you might want to give him a little more credit than we gave him. On the way out of Dallas, Jim Caldwell, Marvin Lewis, and some other guys that have been mentioned. So this this is fascinating. We'll kind of see. So a lot of people on the move, a lot of families that have been impacted or whatever. But hopefully, a lot of these guys will land on their feet and have other opportunities. I want to do a fun exercise here. Let's let's ping pong back and forth. Let's go name a candidate, right? So I'll just tell you the name of a candidate, and I'll give you like a little sell, like a little sales pitch. Okay. Then you give me a candidate with a little sales pitch, and we'll just ping pong back and forth a little bit because I think sometimes when you just talk this stuff out, mm. some things become clear, and maybe we can match up some of these coaches with jobs. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. All right, I, I'm going to start off with Arthur Smith mm. uh, from the Tennessee Titans, who is their offensive coordinator, and I'm going to give you the sales pitch for him real quick. Um, let's start with developing quarterbacks. Take in Ryan Tannehill. Look what Tannehill was under Adam Gase. It was an okay player. I think when people go back and look at that, you might be surprised. I think. Tannehill accomplished more um, with the Dolphins than maybe mm-hmm. Sam Darnold has done with the Jets. I know both have been underwhelming mm-hmm. in their previous stops, but I think Tannehill had more accomplishments. Yeah. So I don't want to say like Tannehill was terrible. He was hurt, you know, a good bit. But his play went to a whole nother level with Arthur Smith. So he's done a great job with quarterbacks. The team has an, a physical identity um, with Derrick Henry and the way they play at the line of scrimmage. Um, I give him Arthur Smith a lot of credit for that. But here's my last, my quick third point. How many times have you heard uh, already in the last few days these teams and these press conferences say we're looking for a CEO type, right? Buck, this kid, since he was in diapers, has had a front row seat to watch a man who is a CEO, who is as revered a CEO in the country as we have, and Fred Smith, who's run FedEx. Like, he's he's grown up with it. Like, my dad was talking about, you know, what was going on at the church. You know, we talked about that at the dinner table. This guy's – been mm-hmm. at the dinner table with one of the best CEOs in the planet. Like, I think that's kind of fascinating in, in this era where you keep hearing this. We're looking for a CEO. This guy's had a front row seat to, to see a really good one. And, you know, I, I think when you think about Arthur, Arthur played at University of North Carolina. He was a guy that had to earn his stripes. Um, I think the humility that he has displayed, considering the background he's coming from, the fact that he has gone on, he was a quality control guy, first in Washington, then in Tennessee, first on defense under Greg Williams. And then moving to the offensive side of the ball and coaching tight ends and being able to ascend to be an offensive coordinator. He has touched a bunch of different things. And because of his understated manner and his track record of being able to be adaptable and flexible and creative, I think, I mean, I think look, I think he has an opportunity to be a really good head coach. I think whoever comes with him as a D coordinator is probably the biggest hire, but I think he has a chance. And if you're going to ask me to place, because I know we're connecting dots right where we're at, yeah, right here in Southern California. And the reason why is because when I look at the Chargers job and I think about Justin Herbert and I think about Justin Herbert having skills that are very comparable to Ryan Tannehill, I think that that gives him a chance. And then I think about the physical identity of the Chargers because I think the Chargers do have an identity in terms of the style of play. I think he can enhance that and maybe take it to another level because, look, you add a beefed up running game and you fix the offensive line with a defense that they already have in place. This is a team that should be in the conversation each and every year when you talk about the Kansas City Chiefs and the AFC West. Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting connection there. All right, go fire away. Okay, so let's go with uh, Brian Dayball. Yep. Let's think about who he's been influenced by. Bill Belichick in the past, spending years and years in New England. He's gone down to the collegiate level with Nick Saban in Alabama. He has had the opportunity to be very, very creative and adaptive, utilizing some of those things that he learned in college to going to Western New York and Buffalo under Sean McDermott and continuing to not only expand his 
his playbook in terms of what he's doing, but also to master building cultures in a couple of different roles. I think Brian Dayball is perfectly um, suited to be able to be a head coach. And I think he is going to get that opportunity because I think people are looking at the job that he has done with this offense over the past two or three years and the growth that Josh Allen has made. I think someone is going to look and say, man, be a great opportunity to get someone to pair with the quarterback and really build it out from that aspect. Yeah, I think what he's done with Josh Allen is nothing short of miraculous. I mean, Josh had all this ability, but man, he has just put it all together for him. So you've got somebody who has been influenced by some of the best coaches and who is taking care of the most important position on the field. I think that's big. Um, I want to go to this next one here. And our our, uh, friend Charlie Casserly, who advises a lot of uh, these teams and a lot of these candidates, you know, getting them ready for these jobs. He talked about what Joe Gibbs and uh, no, was it Joe Gibbs? Probably. I believe it was Joe Gibbs talking about the uh, most important things you need uh, at the position, what to look for and for a head coach. And this was the uh, I just jotted him down because you just said this on the network the other day. He said presence, communication, character, management and evaluation. So those five things. And it didn't that didn't point you to one side of the ball. The other, not an offensive guy, not a defensive guy. But I started thinking presence, communication, character, management, evaluation. And actually, the first name that I thought of was Matt Campbell. Because if you've seen Matt Campbell, he definitely has a presence. You can't argue about that. His ability to communicate, if you've seen any of his his mm-hmm. uh, communication with his team or with the media, outstanding. The character, you know, everything I've heard there, you know, you're kind of flying blind, but everything you hear is is outstanding. Management, how he's managed that program, created an identity, managed games. And then evaluation, look, you're at Ohio State, you better be able to evaluate and then develop. And I think he's done a great job there, uh, not only with players, but also in building a staff. And I thought, man, if you're looking through that lens, Matt Campbell's going to be a very attractive candidate to these NFL teams. Yeah, the job he's done at Iowa State is really fantastic. And you watch the game that they played against Oregon, and you watch how he was all the way into it and the culture that has been created and the way that they've been able to – beat him up. up, They beat him up. Yeah, beat him up. And the way they've been able to up the ante when it comes to the recruiting, I think it all matters. And if you dig even deeper in his background, this is a guy that has always been tied to winning. Mountain Union was winning national titles. He won three national titles when he was a player there. And you look at his record and, and all of those things. Look, success breeds success. And I'm not saying that it necessarily guarantees it, but DJ, you and I fall in love with with the thought of getting a program builder, someone who understands how to build a program. It's not just a coach. It's not just calling plays. It's building a program from the bottom up. And I think he certainly has that ability, and that's why he will be a very, very attractive candidate for some teams. Yeah, I mean, I just look at – I'm just looking at the Jets in their situation and trying to – put people in spots and Mm -hmm. I look at the Jets and the shortcomings kind of of what they had. And then I look at the characteristics and what you get with somebody like Matt Campbell. And I want to say Christopher Johnson said it in a press conference the other day. He used that CEO term, right? Somebody that can coach the whole team, not just the offense, the defense, but can coach the whole team. Um, And I started thinking the way he was kind of describing Matt rule, ironically, right? Because they they had that opportunity. It didn't, didn't work out. Um, But Matt Campbell is the name when you, you just try and listen, right? And what are they what are they describing? What are they looking for? And the image of Matt Camel kind of popped into my head. Yeah, it did. I'm I'm trying to get to this thing because now I want to go to um I, I want to read the quote that I saw from Deshaun Watson, and then I want to talk about candidates and, and what matters. So Deshaun Watson, this comes from James Palmer. He talked to Deshaun Watson, it was right after the game. And Deshaun Watson was was asked about, like, what would you like in a head coach? He said, man, it just starts with the energy, just the foundation of the program. There's no real foundation. Everyone's here. Everyone knows it. Got to have a guy that can come in, stand strong, stand 10 toes down and say, hey, this is the way that we're going to go. This is the way we're going to win. That's what we need. It just kind of is up in the air right now. I'm looking forward to some discipline, responsibility, some good, fun energy that cares about winning championships and winning games. But in the same time, coming into work each and every day, regardless. And then he said, look, we have to play to a standard. That's what I'm about. Whoever's out there has to play to a standard. And that's what we want it to do to continue to grow and keep pushing. And so, DJ, so often we get confused when it comes to what we want from a head coach. And we talk about the guy who's the offense coordinator and the play calls and the defense coordinator and what great players want. They want a leader. They want yep. direction. They want to be coached. They want to be coached hard. They want everyone around them 
to be held to a standard. And so I'm going to mention this name, and I'm not saying it's necessarily the perfect fit, but in knowing him, I will say this about Eric Bieniemy. Eric Bieniemy is that. He's not a play caller, mm-hmm. even though he is the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs. I want you to look beyond a play caller. We're talking about a leader. And if you look mm-hmm. at the people that have played up under him in the position group and the running backs and the countless running backs they brought in in Kansas City and how he did it with Jamal Charles and how he did it with Adrian Peterson and everywhere, I think there has to be a place where you can look at guys and say the leadership qualities, the clear communication qualities, the management skills, all those things are in place. And then is he has that, who is he bringing with him in terms of the construction of the staff? But I certainly believe he's a viable candidate as a head coach. I, I, I love the fit with Houston, by the way. To me, that's the perfect spot. And you think about the relationship between Mahomes and Deshaun Watson, and now be I'm sure Mahomes will give the stamp of approval mm-hmm. to Eric Bieniemy. Watson would be excited about that move. And look, it, as great as Deshaun has been, this is on his – it's kind of the whole franchise is on his shoulders. They don't have the picks. They don't have money. Like, he kind of has oh. to be Superman just for them to be competitive. So making him happy and putting the right guy around him is very important. Yeah, I think I think it is very important. And I think we always talk about the quarterback outside the GM and the head coach. The quarterback is right there. Is that that holy trinity? Is that big three that you have to have? And and he he is begging for a leader to come in there. And I think um, it speaks volumes about what is necessary and what is needed to be uh, a championship team. You need a leader. You need someone who yeah. can paint the vision and do it. And we've heard it over and over again. I think it's very clear. All the guys that we have interviewed, the top coaches, they all say that. They all say it's division. Few of them talk about the X's and O's. They always talk about creating the culture in the building, and then all of the win and success stems from that. Here's here's my next one. I'm going to go Robert Sala here mm. from the 49ers. And the, the uh, three words – I'm trying to think of the three words I would use with him. Number one, I would start with presence. Like he has a major presence about him. I would say intensity. Uh, right. So he's got a tremendous amount of intensity, which like Sean McDermott to me is kind of a more quiet reserve. But yeah, yeah there's an intensity about Sean McDermott. I think former, that you've seen that. Wrestler. You see yes, that. It, you you've see seen that. that. And I, I see that. Out. I see that with Salah. Um, and then so you've got the intensity, you've got the presence. And then I would also add energy, you know, like he then he has a little bounce to his step and, and the energy to go along with it. And you just kind of triggered some of that in my head talking about what Deshaun Watson was looking for. I think, and you listen to the way Richard Sherman and his players talk about him and the way they sell him. And he, I have a hard time seeing him not being successful. Uh, I really do. And I think this year was big for him because this year, like the previous year, when they went to the Super Bowl, everything lined up. He had a very talented unit. Yeah. Um, and so you could, I want to say you could just roll out the balls and go play. This year, he had to deal with a ton of injuries. You didn't have Nick Bosa, you didn't have D Ford, you had to deal with some change. No, DeForest didn't have Richard Buckner Sherman. got traded. DeForest, And yet they came out and they played at a high level. And I know we say the job description isn't the same being a coordinator as opposed to a head coach. But at some point, I want to see excellence and I want to see excellence in spite of circumstances. Because to me, that tells me not only from a motivational standpoint, but from a tactical standpoint, you were able to adapt and adjust to, to what you had available. And so I think he is very, very qualified. And everyone will kind of tie him to the Detroit job because he's kind of from that area. But I think his his game, who he is, I think it plays well in a bunch of different aspects. I was, you know, to me, this is a very simple way to put it. You find excuses or you find answers. And yeah. I thought Solid did a great job this year. He was finding answers. He wasn't work, lear, looking around trying to find excuses. We get to the end of the year, we hear all these press conferences, right, from these teams. Mm-hmm. And you find out they're, they're one of two ways, right? There's a team that try and excuse everything that happened and this, if only this or only that. And there's other teams that say, we got to find the answers. And, and those are the guys you want. Those are absolutely the guys you want. So I want to I I bring this guy. There are two more guys that I kind of want to talk about. One is a, is a name that kind of surfaced that I think surprised people. And that would be Jason Garrett, former coach of the Dallas Cowboys. And immediately the reaction is kind of lukewarm, kind of meh. But then DJ, I go and I dig in his background in 10 years. He had one losing season. So, yes, he had, I want to say, four, eight, and eights. But he had one losing season. He had three seasons with 10-plus wins. They won three division titles. He developed a young quarterback in Dak Prescott that took over for Tony Romo, and they won a division title in that first year. And you look at Dak Prescott and the way that he has developed going from maybe game manager to playmaker, I can say that Jason Garrett had a hand in that. I'm not saying that he's the most creative play designer, but I think that. 
And I think that when you've been a head coach and you've been a head coach for that long and then you get a chance to sit back and then come back to the job, I think he's better prepared to then take his own coaching to the next level. I think it's interesting that his name came up in Jacksonville. I know it's been kind of linked um, in terms in terms of an interview in L.A. I think he is going to be a guy that is going to surprise people. I think he's going to end up getting a job this cycle, DJ. Yeah, that'd be interesting, man. I, I do think that that's one of those names people just dismiss right away. Oh, he was terrible. But when you really start digging into it, you realize there's more to that story there. And especially the way the Cowboys fell apart this year, well, I that, think that, I think you get, have to give him more credit. Like, man, like he – yeah, they look all like, of the success. Yeah. Yes, yeah. they look so, like a pro team. So that's going to lead me to my next one, which is Marvin Lewis. And I, when we talked about this previously, I got so much. Oh, they never won a playoff game. This set and the other. I'm like, look at the alternative. Look at this team right now. Yes, I mean, does that not matter? And you start going through it, and you're like, okay, I know it didn't work out in the playoffs, but nine. You know, let's go from from uh, 2011 to 2015. Nine and seven, ten and six, eleven and five, ten five and one, twelve and four. Um, I mean, he won that. He won the AFC North, which is a, a freaking uh, battle yeah. zone to go through there with the Ravens and the Steelers. One, two, three, four times he won that division in Cincinnati with bare bones assistance there. I mean, bare bones in terms of the overall structure and organization. Um, so, look, I know they ended up drafting some good players and had some talent there, but I. I don't think Marvin Lewis gets enough credit for what he accomplished there. And I think if you, again, the CEO role overseeing everything, um, you know, I think he's, I think he's got a lot of wisdom and I think the players respect him. Now I think culturally they got a little loose there in Cincinnati. He'd have to, you have to well, tighten see, that yeah, up. And I, and, I, and I think DJ, I think they got loose because that was their advantage when it came to drafting. So yeah. what they were able to do is they gambled on a handful of character guys, the character guys who had talent, and that helped them get over the top because you talk about in that AFC North division, when you're dealing with Pittsburgh and Baltimore, they had to find a way to really close the gap. And they were able to by taking some chances. Now, the problem is when you have maybe too many of those guys, it can mess up your locker room when it goes sideways. And at the end of the tenure, like it got a little sideways. But if you talk about a hard job that he made a very successful job, given the, the challenge, no scouting department, limited resources when it came to the amount of money they would spend on free agents. He deserves a lot of credit. And for me, when I look at maybe a Jacksonville Jaguars job, maybe a Detroit Lions job where you're trying to rebuild and repair the culture, those are the kind of opportunities that I could, that I could see it working in a major, major way. I think he's also been interviewed in Houston. Yeah. All right. Give, give you another one here. I got one more. I want to ask you about because you work tight closely with the organization. We talk about quarterback developers. We talk about guys that can help quarterbacks grow and stretch them, guys who have been offensive coordinators, been a unit, but also some head coaching experience. Pep Hamilton is a name that has been talked about under the radar. He was a head coach for the D.C. Destroyers in the XFL. He coached Andrew Luck in Indianapolis. Obviously, he played a role in Justin Herbert's development. Um, When you see him, can you envision him being a head coach at, at, at this level? Yeah, you know, the interesting thing is we've kind of just missed each other. We just missed each other in Baltimore. And then this year, in a normal year, I would have been traveling with the Chargers. I would have been at practice all the time. I would have seen him coach there, and I would have been with him, you know, see him on the plane in the hotel. And I, had a, I was, would have had a great front row seat to it, but I didn't, I didn't get it. So I don't have the knowledge. I, we have so many mutual connections because we've been in the same places just at different times. Um, but he's got a very good reputation. And, look, I – I think you give him a lot of credit for the way that Justin Herbert has performed this year. Absolutely. I think you also got to give Shane Steichen, the offensive coordinator, yeah. a lot of credit for how he designed that. So t- I can't tell you how the percentage of it was this or. Oh, I know, without, without even saying it, like, and not even but, trying to give him all the credit. Yeah, but he's, look, this is a quarterback development league. So when you've done a great job with a young quarterback, you deserve to get opportunities it's no reason it's same reason why joe brady what joe brady did at the collegiate level with joe burrow is why he's getting interviews man it take long. Man, we said, it, man, we said it we said it last year we said he is going to get a job and he is interviewing i think he has what three interviews lined up already it's only a people, matter of time people, people uh people lost their minds because when he was coming off the year as the coordinator at lsu i said that was my surprise hire as an nfl head coach and people lost. He's like, he's only been a coordinator for one year at the college level. An NFL team's going to hire him. I said, well, there's the thought process with teams. I want to get 
ahead of the curve instead of trying to chase it. Because if we wait, we're going to be competing with a bunch of teams for this guy. But if we get ahead of it, maybe we'll get some grief and some criticism. Maybe he needs to grow on the job a little bit. But that's what some teams do. So that was my – it didn't happen. He didn't end up getting a head coaching job. But it, it not that far off. He could get one this year. If not this year, he's got a chance to get one next year. And I know some people have said – no, oh, the Carolina offense was 21st in the league this year. I think they were 21st last year. I'm like, okay, look, Christian McCaffrey played three games, I believe, yeah. this year. They had 2,000 2, yard receivers. And you tell me, Buck, you see the Cowboys every week. I mean, Andy Dalton versus Teddy Bridgewater, I, I think you could find a good number of people who would say, I'd rather have Andy Dalton. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you have to look beyond the stat sheet. Look beyond the stat sheet and, and, and let your eyes take you to it. Um, when you look at the way that this team played, particularly in the middle of the year when they were playing those competitive games against the Kansas City Chiefs and some of these other teams, they gave people problems. And he has done a really, really good job. And you have to take him knowing, look, there's, there's going to be some some growing pains because yeah. he's only been really a coordinator for one full year because at LSU he split the duties or it was, it was a different des- designation. But he is going to continue to grow on the job. And so the big thing with Brady is helping him assemble a staff that will minimize some of his deficiencies. And I think that is that is really, really important. But if Cliff Kingsbury can be a younger guy, can get a job, and Zach Taylor was able to get jobs, I am not surprised that Joe Brady is in the conversation as a guy that could be next in line. One, one other thing as we finish up the coaching conversation, there's an interesting approach that you're going to see some teams take. So you're like the, the Raiders. They've, they, have a new, they need a new defensive coordinator. You've got six teams on the runway right now to hire new head coaches. They're going to have to build out their staffs. So they right now are sitting there saying, appears to be, let's try and get our defensive coordinator locked in before these head coaches start slotting in. And now we're going to have everybody. It's going to be a mad rush to try and find these assistants. If you're a team that's going to make a coordinator change, you're probably smart to try and get that locked up before these coaching vacancies start getting filled across the league. Yeah, you got to do it now. You got to do it in a hurry. And I think that's what we've seen because uh, the Raiders, Gus Bradley, Raheem Morris, they've, they've already had those conversations. So you want to get it locked in and you want to kind of press them. If you don't get a head job, I need you to commit right now. Um, mm-hmm. and, 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 and that has to be the deal because it is. It's not only that. And one of the reasons why you want to be one of the teams that hires the head coach first is because you have your pick of the litter when it comes to the assistance. The yeah. last team always has the, the most difficult challenge in assembling a staff because a lot of the guys are gone because yeah. you know if you're assistant coach you're not trying to sit out and wait and wait and wait you're you're gonna take yeah. the first thing smoking and so it's really important that you're ahead of it and i think in the next week or so we're gonna start seeing these dominate dominoes fall and we see yeah. these head coaches named and whatever and so you are right in terms of teams trying to identify and secure the services of their coordinators because they know the longer they wait the more difficult it gets when it comes to the competition yeah, I mean, I, I do think if you're hiring a head coach, the most important thing is you get it right. I mean, there's been examples. I want to say, I want to say the Ravens tried to hire Jason Garrett, he turned it down, and they ended up getting Harbaugh. But they waited. You know, it was a long time. They interviewed a zillion people and ultimately ended up with the right guy. I mean, they got the right guy for them and John Harbaugh. So it is – you want to get the right guy first and foremost. If that takes some time, it takes some time. But, man, if you're a team right now that has your head coach in place and there's coordinators that you need to replace and you – I mean, I mean – what are you waiting for, man? Go get that yeah. done. Uh, you brought up something I think is interesting because I had this conversation earlier today um, and talking to a team. DJ, do you believe people can interview too many people and cloud the process when you think about the general manager and the head coach? I'm not. I'm, I'm saying we want to really vet out the the qualified candidates, but do you believe you can almost get too much information from too many different sources when it comes down to make a decision? Well, in this, maybe I'm just being cynical here, but my guess is that you have your list of a handful of guys that you're seriously considering for your head coaching job and you're interviewing the other 15 guys as a fact finding mission to learn about their process. And is there anything we can take from them that can help us in our process? Does that make sense? It, it does make sense. I just wonder, does it ever get cloudy? Like when you're writing all your notes and you got all the things yeah. or whatever, like it seems like these conversations would run together. And so if I'm going to, do I bring the guy in that I really, the, the handful, do I bring them in early when I'm fresh yeah. or do I bring them in late when they can leave a lasting impression? 
I'd be tempted to get the guys you want, the guys that are at the top of your list in as soon as possible. So you don't, you don't lose out because nothing can, I mean, if you, if you have a, a interview scheduled for Thursday and a team meets with him on Wednesday and loves him and says, we're not letting him leave the building. He's the one we're going to give him $7 million a year, lock him in. You're, you're out of luck. <laughs> you know. So I'd put those guys to the front of the runway. Yeah, it's, it's funny. It's funny you brought up that $7 million thing because we saw the reports about Urban Meyer and $12 million and yeah. everyone went went crazy. But I think we have to get comfortable with the notion of coaches making significant money. That's guard yeah. money. Think about that. That's what you pay. That's what you pay a premier guard. That is what you pay a premier guard because for some guys. What's more coach, important? <laughs> yeah, the coach. The coach can mask a lot of your flaws from a personnel standpoint, depending on the coach. I think you have to invest you have to invest in the coaches. If you want to be a good team, you have to invest in the coaches so they can invest in the assistants so you can have the best staff. And maybe you can have a level of continuity that really allows you to build a program. That's what always was weird to me, right? It's, and, I mean, it's a ton of money. I, I, I want Everything's relative. But when you think about general managers in the NFL, it's a lot of money. That's great. They're making two, you know, two to three million dollars probably on average. Two to three million dollars. It's like that's like your that's the, that's like your nothing third string running back. You could be paying three million dollars to. Like who's nothing. more important to the success of your organization? That's what's funny to me. It is funny, but DJ, just think like those numbers just got up to that yeah. mark. Yeah, for general managers, like where they're making used to be one to two. Yeah, one one to two is kind of the standard. Now I'd say it's more two to three. Yeah, to now raise it up or whatever, that is significant. Um, By the way, I still don't know why anybody at least placed the phone call. And I'm Ozzy probably is, is very content and happy where he is in, in life. But, man, if I'm one of these teams that have six – there's six GM openings, I'm calling Ozzy and saying, hey, we want you to be the president of the team. You talk about paying somebody $12 million, I'd pay Ozzy $15 million. Be the president help of my us, team. You pick the GM. Out. You pick the coach. And off we go. It'd be the yeah. best money you ever spent. Yeah, help us figure it out because he's done it so many different ways and and they've been so successful. And we've talked about the track record that the Ravens have had when it came to team building and those things. It'd be interesting. You know, it'd be interesting. Yeah. Um, All right, let's, want, let's go ahead. Yeah, I, want, I want to get to you. Like, yeah, because I, I think we're going to transition to the same way. Let's get to some of these college games and college football playoff and some of the stuff that you saw. And I think we have to talk about Ohio State and Clemson because we got a chance to see two of the top quarterback prospects kind of go at it. Yeah, I, to me, it was interesting. It's the best. You tell me. It's the best I've ever seen Justin Fields play, ever, by far. I mean, I went back and you watched the – I tweeted it out even. The previous three games, he was four touchdowns, five picks. He took 11 sacks. And then he goes out on that stage, and they – I mean, his numbers are ridiculous. He was uh, – we got it right here. Where is it here? He was 22 of 28 for 385, six touchdowns, one pick, eight rushes for 42 yards. And, oh, by the way – one of the better displays of toughness we've ever seen on a big stage. I don't care, college, NFL, the shot that he took, surely, Ooh. gosh, it looked like he broke some ribs. I don't know how he didn't break ribs. But, then, oh, you know, man. he not only went back in the game, but he went back in the game and was, like, aggressively pushing the ball down the field and making big throws. It wasn't like he was handing the ball off, protecting himself, trying to dink and dunk and just survive. It was like, dude, this dude is tough, man. Um, and that's why, and we've talked about it, for me, coming into that game, Zach Wilson played much better than Justin Fields mm-hmm. this year. And he's been, I've been mm-hmm. very impressed with what he's done. Iowa had Zach Wilson behind Trevor Lawrence. And then, then you get to Justin Fields and Trey Lance in that conversation. And, and you've said this for years and I've started to go more towards your side on this thing is it's not equal weight with games, man. What you do on the big stage counts. It counts more. It's not just another game and you can have three mediocre games, which he did coming into this game and you can wipe those out when you do stuff like this. Yeah. DJ, like it's funny, right? Because like Justin Fields, he kind of, he kind of tests my, my personal philosophies when it comes to scouting. Right. Because for a while they're like, man, I need to see it. I need to see it. And then I'm watching him struggle against Indiana. And I'm like, man, like he's just not getting it out. Like maybe I'm hung up on it. Like then the, the the championship game against Northwestern, you don't see it. And then on the big stage, you see him deliver and it pop. And then not only that, right? And I think I've learned a lesson from Josh Allen when it comes to quarterbacks. Take away some of the mechanic things or whatever, like, can I appreciate the talent first? Yeah. Because there's no doubt that he's he's talented. And we've seen Josh Allen take that talent and has been cultivated and he's played at an MVP level. 
So now I'm looking at Justin Fields. I'm like, man, the talent is there. You see the athleticism. You see the arm. That game allowed us to see the toughness, which I think is really important because I think the biggest calling card that he'll have is not even the touchdowns. The fact that he took that shot, big hit, Mm. and came back in in a big game and delivered. I was like, oh, that's next level stuff because we always talk about our quarterbacks and how the quarterback has to have a little John Wayne mystique to him, right? He has to be able to – the Clint Eastwood, the gunfighter that kind of comes in and strolls into the saloon and and look and lights it up. Justin Fields was able to get that, and I think that really helps him. Now, the evaluation is always going to be, look, the, the Zach Wilson thing and, and the Justin Fields thing, and, man, I erroneously tweeted out Luke Wilson as opposed to Zach Wilson. That's what happens when you're tired or whatever and you're doing it. And here's the thing. Zach Wilson, to me, is the more natural playmaker from the pocket. I think the game is easy. He's a seven-on-seven killer. If you don't pressure him, he is going to slice and carve you up because I think he's just very natural in playing the position. He has the athleticism to get on the edges and to do all those things. He'd win a game of horse. Like, to me, like, that's – as a thrower, like, okay, let's try and let's disconnect. Let's roll to the left and kind of drop one off to the right. Okay. It's like football horse. Like, that's how I describe it. He can do all those things. He can get on perimeter. I think you can look at him and say, I think he can play in any system. Whatever the system is, I think his game is adaptable. Justin Fields is an A-level talent. Mm -hmm. And I think for for Fields, it's what he brings as a rugged runner combined with the big-time arm talent and then let's say the toughness and leadership ability. I have said this, and people are going to say this is not. To me, he reminds me of a more talented version of Dak Prescott, right? Like, because Dak is like physical, he's rugged or whatever. Dak hasn't necessarily leaned into the running ability that I think Justin will lean into, but that's what I get in my mind. I get like a a, a super version of Dak Prescott. It's now, how do we tailor that offense to it? Do you want to be an offensive coordinator that has the ability to do some of the new school stuff? Or do you want to continue to do that stuff? And not saying that Wilson isn't athletic enough to do it. I think it comes down to that. The thing that you have with Fields is you've seen big games, big stages. You know, Mm -hmm. like you've seen Big Ten competition. I'm not saying that Wilson couldn't do it, but you almost are like, I haven't seen him do it. So what does that mean? And I think that kind of gets into the discussion. All right. So I want to give you the names of three guys, right, that were not the first quarterback taken in their draft class, but we've been blown away by what they've done. They've turned into superstars at different points. Right. So we've got Mahomes, Josh Allen and Justin Herbert. Okay, none of those guys were the first quarterback picked in their draft class. Now, all of them had flaws and holes in their game. But I want I want to give you this checklist here. We start with this size, toughness arm strength, arm talent, whatever you want to call that, big-time arms, and athletic ability, right? They all had all four of those. Check those boxes. Now, here's the difference. This was the last two things, and, it, and I've talked to uh, Tom Telesco about this. I've talked to Brett Veach about this, and and I've talked to the guys in Buffalo about this with our, our buddies mm-hmm. that we've got there with Joe and those guys. Um, s- smarts, right? And we mm-hmm. saw it a little bit. We got a little glimpse of it with Mahomes when he came in. The intelligence, yeah. right? Yeah, incredibly smart. And then the work ethic was off the charts. That so is the the smarts and the work ethic. So and now we start with Justin Fields. He, the size, the toughness, the arm strength, the athletic ability. We're good. We see all that. We can check those boxes. Put that to bed. Now, if you're a team and we try and do it the best we can on the mm-hmm. media side, which is we're not going to get that same access. You know, I'm going back to the high school mm-hmm. stuff, but still, to me. How smart is he, and and what is his work ethic like? Does he have that Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert smarts and work ethic? If he does, forgive the other sins, pick him, and off you go. Yeah, no, I think I think that's it. And I think that's it with everybody, and um, I think with those guys, it has to be the deep dive into the background, the deep dive into what makes them tick, and can you get ben- beneath or below the surface when it comes to the interviews and those things. Can you get a track record of how does he come in? What time does he come in? Like if we were doing our old scouting thing, it would be almost like going to the football secretary, like, Hey, you know, what time does such and such come in each day? Just on average, like just loosely. I used to go to the video guy. Yeah. You know, like what time did it go in? How to do it? The video guy. How many hours do you think he logs in to study and 
and do those things when it comes to the preparation. And I think for for the quarterbacks, now more than ever, that part of it is 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 really important. And I think this, and I won't tie any of these quarterbacks to Dwayne Haskins, but I think there's a lesson to be learned from Dwayne Haskins. The quarterback job is 24-7, 365. Yep. There aren't any days off. Even on vacation, vacation is dedicated to finding a way to be. That was our that was our top rate line. Like to me, the the picture, if I'm a quarter, if I'm recruiting or scouting these guys and you're going through the scouting process, I'm going to have a poster on the wall of Tom Brady on the beach with his shoulder pads on. That mm-hmm. is a visual image of what you're signing up for right now. And, and I, I think that has to be that has to be it. You have to be committed to it. They got to be committed to the process. And I have to know confidently that when we bring you in as a franchise quarterback, you're setting the tone for everybody in the franchise by being the first one in, the last one out. And I know we talk about it, and we talk about it all the time on shows, and, hey, I want first one in, last one out. I think now more than ever, I am committed to this guy has to be the worker bee. Yeah. He has to be the worker bee. And in listening to, I read the quotes from Deshaun Watson or whatever, those guys have it. Mm-hmm. And that's why they're successful. If they fail – it won't be because they didn't do the work. I can live with a guy who fails, who has given me everything that he has in preparation, and for whatever reason, it just doesn't work out. But what I'm not going to do as a general manager, I'm not going to be tied to a guy who isn't doing everything yep. to be prepared each and every Sunday for us to go win. And I yep. think that is the thing that we have to discover. And I think as we get closer to the draft with all of these guys, with throwing Mac Jones if he comes out, Kyle Trask and all those other guys – the deep dive into the preparation process. And we try to do that when we have them. A walk us, a walk me through your week. But yeah, I think I think that's going to be the deciding factor. Yeah. I mean, I think the other way to put it is if we miss on the player, we miss on the player. We're not missing on the person. Do not miss yeah. on the person. You gotta love it. Yeah. And I know people talk about it. You absolutely have to love it. And I know we hold quarterbacks to a different standard. I would prefer to have a team that it's comprised of all guys that really love the game. Yeah. But the quarterback cannot be a guy that doesn't love it. He can't just like it. It can't be a hobby. I'm not saying that you can't have other interests, but for 10 years, 12 years, 15 years, I need quarterback to be the most important thing to you outside of your family and faith and all that other stuff. Being the quarterback of this franchise has to be important. I saw a quote the other day. I'm trying to remember exactly what it was. It, it's something along the lines of we need to get guys who love playing football, not that love being oh, football players. That was Ron Rivera. Like Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera put that out there. He he said, I want guys that are more interested that love football and are not just interested in being professional football players. And yeah. that Great line. is important. DJ, but that right there, it was the reminder. It was the reminder because I was like, man, you know, they didn't do this, whatever. Da, da, da. But that's the thing that we're not privy to, right? Yep. And I and I feel bad because sometimes like we may make critiques, uh, we may make comments without fully knowing everything. And I think that brings me back to the standard that we were expected to go out with when we were scouts. Yeah. Hey, man, we want guys that love it. Because I know when you talked about Baltimore and being a Raven and being able to clearly do it, all of those things took you back to the love. You know, and I yeah. remember being in Carolina with John Fox and he talked about, man, we need guys that love it. I don't want them to minor in it. I want them to major in it. This no. has to be important. No, it's huge, man. Uh, a couple of thoughts on some college players. Najee Harris continues to add to his resume with what he's done. So Devontae good. Smith as well. I still think when it's when it's go time, I still think Jamar Chase will end up going ahead of, of Devontae Smith. I think they're both going to be really good pros. The other one is I went back and watched more Jalen Waddle. Holy crud, man. Don't forget about that, dude. I mean, again – Last year, we talked about the big four, right? It started out as big three. We ended up putting Justin Jefferson and making it the big four in our conversation. Mm-hmm. This year, I mean, I've got a bunch more of these guys to do, but those three dudes can ball, man. Yeah, they, they absolutely can ball. The only guy that I'm, I'm kind of hesitant to jump all the way in on has just been Devontae Smith just because of the size factor. Size, I, am, I am just like kind of pausing because I'm like, man, he's 175, maybe 180 pounds, like – that is that is light to be a number one receiver. And then I think about, okay, if I could put it, if I put him in the AFC North, could he handle the rigors of having to deal with the, the dudes that we see in Pittsburgh, the dudes that we see in Baltimore? How do they want to beat you up even in Cleveland? Like that part of it. And I know he's had a ton of success. He's outstanding as a mm-hmm. route runner. 
mm-hmm. the conversation is as a top 10 pick, when we talk about that, we just haven't seen many guys that are built like that taken in the top 10. That's not to say that he can't do it. It's just, man, like that's, that's the only thing that, 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 that's concerns me a little bit about him. You've got to match your environment, right? So let me give you the two. We, we've talked about some of these names in the past, but when you look at Marvin Harrison and his yes. build, yes, and then you, and then you look at Isaac Bruce, right? Both oh, those yeah, guys, yeah. phenomenal. Both those guys played on pass-happy teams indoors. Yeah. So when we look at some of these teams and where they're picking, I know um, – look, I know Miami's not indoors, but at least all those games, you're outside. in a pretty good spot. Although, gosh dang, Tua looked cold. He looked cold up there. Buffalo's a long way from Hawaii. Yeah, no question. Um, yeah, the interesting thing is they're just not there's not a lot of those types of teams. You know, the team that would be, I mean, gosh, could I, I've I've looked at the Chargers at 13 and they they've got to dress the offensive line. They need corners, so it's not really a front of the line need for them. But I, I look at guys like Waddle or or uh or Devontae Smith with them. Wow. Um uh, Atlanta doesn't need a receiver. Miami would be the option at three. Philadelphia, it's like to me, Philly at six. I, Devontae Smith is a phenomenal player, but Jamar Chase to me matches more with that division yeah. if yeah. he if he were to be there. No, and I and I think there there is something to that. And, I, and so and so that's the thing because you think about the division, the rigors of what is expected. You would like to see him play on a fast track. How about um, how about how about we get him to Minnesota oh, and team him up with Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen? You could mute, you know get another year out of him, or you could trade him, whatever you yeah. wanted to do there. But that'd be kind of a fun one. Man, Talk track, about indoors and make yourself know, a track team. Track team, being able to play stop start quickness. DJ, I wouldn't say that. I'll say it because you can't necessarily say it. I wouldn't rule out that thing like in L.A. Yeah. Because now you, if you're saying that I have the quarterback and I can try out three show ponies yeah. in Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and then I can have Devontae Smith being able to do things in the slot and stretch the field. You want to see? Go. You want to see Justin Herbert? Because if we're if we're all in on Justin Herbert, hey, it's about because we we said the window's short. Hey, let's let's yeah. load it up. And get it going. Hey, what do they call the Lakers again? What was their nickname? Showtime. <laughs> City of Stars, man. I'm not trying to win 17 to 14 out here. Uh, that's kind of fun. I like it. I like it. Um, here's the other thing. My other thought. Uh, we're going to get a chance to do it, get into this draft stuff. Miami picking three. Now, and we, by the way, did we not get ahead of the curve? How many people came in after that with the discussion about do yeah. they take a quarter? Nobody was talking about that before we know, talked about man. that. I know, man. It's, it's, it's funny. But, yeah, like the Dolphins. Like we, like we already moved on from that. We already had that conversation. So they need yeah. to match up Tua versus this year's quarterbacks and then make their decision. I think when it's all said and done, they probably, you know, stay right there with Tua. No need to uh, no need to do that. And then give them some help. My thing is, Buck, when you look at it, they pick three and 18. How about if you went out? And I know, I think this would be the highest a tight end's ever been picked. I think it's six. But it, man, I finished up Kyle Pitts the other day. He's a freak show. If you went Kyle Pitts at three, because you'll oh. never see him at you'll never see him at eighteen. But if you went Kyle Pitts at three, and let's just say in some miraculous way, because a lot of these teams ahead of them have taken receivers recently, young receivers, you might if you got a waddle. Now, if if you take Tua with all the RPOs and match him with the right coach, and now you have Gasecki as one tight end, and now you have you can go Kyle throw Pitts. Kyle Pitts out there to let those guys work in the seams, which is where he's very comfortable. And now all of a sudden I've got Waddle to go over the top. Holy smokes. Now we'll see if the guy can really play. Well, I mean, I think that's what you have to do. I think you're obligated right now to see if Tua is the dude. And the way that you have to do it is you have to give him weapons. I, I don't think anybody can make a quick snap judgment on what Tua is right now based on what he's played with and just being in the first year. Yeah, sure, we would like to see him flash and do all those things. I've seen him really winning football. Like, he, he was playing winning football. They won six games when he was the starting quarterback and all that other stuff. And I know people will tell me, quarterback wins don't count. Well, I mean, we're playing to win. At some point, I need the guy who can get to the winner's circle. However... There is a difference between just being the manager and being the playmaker. We need to see if he can be a playmaker because when we picked him at five, that was the expectation. Let's see if he can go and win games on the strength of his left arm. No doubt. Uh, man, it's going to be a fun weekend of, uh, of football here. We've got playoff games. I think we've got another episode here coming up where we can jump yep. more into the playoff games. We'll save that for, We'll save that discussion for them. Any, anything else you want to hit before we jump out of here, Buck? No, nah, man. Fascinating discussion, man. This is the fun part of the offseason when we begin to kind of mix pro and college and prospects and team building and all those things. So, yeah, we can talk about the playoffs on Friday, on Thursday. 
Yep. We'll hit, we'll hit it then. Uh, that's going to do it for us today. Thank you guys so much for hanging with us. We'll catch you next time right here on Move the Sticks presented by Castrol Edge. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.